morning. How are we? Welcome to another edition of the weekly review. I need to sit still in this chair. Uh, this morning we have got John, Leanne and Ben with me to discuss all the biggest stories in the news this week. So I think we should just crack on really, shouldn't we? So first up this week, we have got the Head Teachers Union talking about sending a letter or talking about... Um, dealing with well, all of the fallout from from the uh, from the death of Ruth Perry and talking about how they want to call for legal action and how they feel that Ofsted should have been suspended in the wake of Ruth Perry's death. So I just wanted to talk to all of you about this and see where, where your feelings are and share some thoughts that actually uh, Tom Hopkins Burke shared before the show today as well. So starting with Leanne, let's go to you first of all. Uh, I don't know, I, re I did read uh, a while back, which is kind of what Tom was talking about, that Ofsted have a legal right to inspect. I don't think it's that they inspect. I think it's that they do it wrong. Uh, and maybe it shouldn't be an inspection. Maybe it should just exist, but as a completely different entity. Uh, maybe they should advise instead of inspect. Um, I guess the issue with that is that if you're going to advise and not inspect, you probably need better advisors than inspectors. <laughs> I mean, Tom's, Tom's comment was... Um... Ofsted is acting according to the law. So by carrying on, they are acting according to the law. And it's the courts that make the legal decisions, not moral ones. So any judicial review is likely to fail unless there is a case to be made that Ofsted is breaching statute law. OK, and that is um, the most relevant legislation for this is the Education Act 2005. So, Ben, anything to to add to this? What are your thoughts on the NAHT? Um. Well, look, I mean, as a union, they've come under fire, you know, recently. How, you know, the NHT are acting. So I, I think it's good, you know, certainly from the head teacher point of view, that they're seemingly making a stand against Ofsted. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not sure this is going to go the way that they plan it to go based on, you know, what, what you and, and Tom did. But, you know, realistically, what we've got now is a, a conversation growing the most part of this. Um, you know, and I know you're going to have that in a minute, but I've had mixed experiences with Ofsted. Some have been really positive in terms of a learning curve. Some have been horrendous. Um, I'm sure there are lots of practitioners up and down the country that would would identify with that. But, you know, there is there is no doubt in my mind that the system has to change. This has to come from a kind of a legal lawsuit moving forward, then, then so be it. But it's there needs to be, you know, a sensible, clear narrative around how to move this forward for for everyone involved, really. Mm -hmm. And John, what about you? Because, I mean, legal action is, is all well and good, but we've discussed in the past on Weekly Review and certainly throughout the last couple of weeks that legal action is, is one thing and probably not really an option. What we really need to be doing is looking at how we can move forward at this point. What, what needs to change? You know, do we need to, is, is Ofsted done? Do we need to reform? Or is there something else altogether that, that, that needs to be done at this point? Well, you're right. I mean, it's unlikely that legal action of this kind or judicial reviews are going to work. But but they, 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 they're enormously significant in the symbolism of what's happening. The head teachers have said enough with Ofsted and, and pause it and so on. And it's like the, well, 
I would say that the worm has turned, but it's uh, it's teachers have been very hesitant to oppose Ofsted because, well, who doesn't think school should be inspected? Who, what what organisation doesn't get inspections? This would seem perfectly normal. So what the death of Ruth Perry exposed was just how absolutely dysfunctional the system is. And it's because it's a long, long history of politicizing schools and creating a political animal that's Ofsted. And its its purpose it, it doesn't serve, I, well, you know, I, I calculated the other day that I've been through five Ofsteds uh, in various forms, you know, and they, they evolved over the years to reflect the political climate of the time. I remember, I remember the period when Ofsted inspectors turned up, 30 or 40 of them turned up to the school and stayed for nearly a month, three weeks. A big, it was a very big school. And they stayed, they fanned out every morning like crows bursting from a tree <laughs> across the school. And they watched every lesson and you will watch two or three times. And then there were the, you know, the recent ones, the instant inspections, where they just show up with no one and they just turn up in your classroom and watch you for five minutes with an immensely narrow tick box. And if they don't see what they're looking for, then that lesson's not good. If they don't see that, that you know, it is absurd. No other country, comparable country, has a system like we have. So, so um, punitive, so stressful, and so political. It's so easy to inspect schools. You just have, you, you, you can construct a system. I could do it on a bit of paper now. I could construct a system where schools looked after each other. They form alliances. They peer review. So all other countries do. Mm -hmm. And we, we've certainly discussed that a large part of the problem is that teachers and teaching staff are not consulted. The fact that um, Amanda Spielman has not really, you know, has never been a teacher and she's head of the organisation that, that that inspects schools. The fact that, you know, you've got a system where we're not involved in our own our own accountability system, if you like, which seems absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, we can go on having this conversation. And I think with the NAHT, the, I understand where it's coming from. You know, there is still that huge upset there. There's still that huge, you know, kind of, well, you, you, obviously you, you caused this, you caused where we are now and you need to be held accountable. And I think we all acknowledge that, but the, the legal action side of it maybe isn't the right way. Instead, this energy needs to go into actually moving forward now and deciding very seriously what these next steps are going to be. I don't know if anyone wants to add yeah. to that. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Well, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, that teachers are seen as a problem is, is a problem for teachers. In other words, it's difficult for us to say to the world, look, this, we shouldn't be inspected or whatever. I like the idea of legal action. I like anything that is currently keeping this kind of momentum going. Mm -hmm. So where we are now, let's just hope it doesn't, it'll peak peter out and Ofsted will turn up and schools that get good Ofsteds will go hurrah look at us we're marvellous even though last time we were not good for reasons that we don't fully understand and next time we won't be good again who knows what roller coaster they have put us on but nonetheless you know so we've got to so teachers stay together this is a terrible terrible system I always think Ofsted inspectors should be made to like stay in the classroom one day a week they're too far removed. Yes. Yeah. And if you want them to teach your kid, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there you go. Uh, uh, there's an interesting experiment that could go ahead. Yeah. I remember the era of the mum's army. You know, they said well, they were going to recruit from the army and people who know nothing have been good and so sensible <laughs> ladies <clears throat> will be sent into schools. The qualification 
to, to inspect teachers was that you knew nothing about education. And that was the yeah. principal characteristic. That, make, that, that seemed to make a sort of sense. Yes, yes, sensible people. Send them in. They know nothing. It's yeah. the teachers that are the problem. That's the requirement to become EdSec as well, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of us will ever get the job, unfortunately. I'm laughing. Yeah, it's but, sad, but funny. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to, to her late, later on. But um, let's... Uh, coming up next, we've got uh, uh, another story that I think will... Uh, will intrigue you all. So um, we'll come to that in a moment. But before we do, can I just remind you that our lovely sponsor today is John Cat Educational, who are a leading provider of educational books and magazines. So if you're looking to enhance your CPD, <coughs> looking to add to your collection, then check them out and uh, see if you can find something to read over the Easter holidays. So moving on to our next story, which So I think we're back in business. <laughs> so moving on to our next story, which is looking at an overhaul for sex education. Now, this is always a difficult subject area. I certainly, in year five, my colleagues in year six are kind of reaching that time of year where we're starting to talk about it. But there seems to be a belief that actually sex education has gone too far and that children are being taught things that they absolutely do not need to know and that's become too explicit and actually you know we need to really look at what what is being taught in schools and I don't know what uh, each of your experiences is individually but of course I mean you have to and I've certainly done shows about this and I know other people have talked about this where it's making sure that children feel secure and safe to talk about these things. But there is a, a suggestion that certain things like addressing gender and things like that should not be, should not, should not be happening. And that there are certain um, ideas that, you know, talking about certain types of sex should not be happening either. And that maybe talking about consent from a younger age is, is inappropriate. So I just want to know your, your thoughts on this and at what age maybe we should be starting talking to children about changes in their body and about sex itself so let's go to you Ben first of all yeah I mean I've, I've had a fair bit of experience of, of kind of teaching over the years and one thing that I've always found tricky was finding good quality resources and and kind of having other staff trained in that way to be able to deliver it because it is you know teaching is obviously a skill but this is kind of a step on in terms the content and the expectations and the, you know, say the kind of the age appropriate level of it. Um, I, I'm incredibly uh, unsurprised that this story is broken this week of all weeks to be able to come out in terms of a distraction technique. Um, whilst I'd kind of welcome the conversation around it, it it's, um, it's hilarious to me that they've chosen this week to, to use one very specific um, <clears throat> example, if that even happened, to base this whole discussion around because if you read the article and you look at why this has come about you know it's quite an extreme um turn of events to be able to go well this happened so we need to talk about this now sort of thing um so just, uh, no, go ahead yeah i mean it, it's just it's 
it, the conversation needs to be had that, you know, Jeff Barton said, and, and he nailed it when he said there needs to be more funding, there needs to be more training, which you could say about any area of the curriculum at the moment, really. But, you know, this has come around as a kind of almost like a horror story um, to, to scare people and, and, and kind of rile up parents and, and everyone else connected to education. Go, oh, my God, that's horrendous. But actually, you know, did this actually happen? Uh, if it did, maybe we should talk into we love a moral panic, don't we? Um, just uh, to quote Jeff Barton, the union's general secretary, he said, um, it's very disappointing to see uh, Keegan, as in Gillian Keegan, offering implicit criticism of schools when uh, she says the review will restore the confidence of parents. Um, he said the vast majority of schools already teach RSHE, so uh, relationships, um, sex and health education, very sensitively and in an age appropriate manner. I mean, we've all been doing this for a long time. So, uh, Leanne, I mean, I know that you um, teach uh, much younger children. So kind of I'm sure that you have been asked questions and have had to address certain things. But what are your what are your thoughts on this? And when when do you feel it's sort of the right age, if you like, to start talking about I don't know about the right age, but I, mean, I was in year six before reception uh, and in a COVID year six class and sat at the back while a 1980s style sex ed video was playing. And it was a rather uncomfortable 20 minutes of my life that I wish to not relive. Um, also, like following on from Ben, the article mostly mentions that, what is it, like no solid evidence. The, the complaints came from parents, which means the complaint comes from 10 year olds. Uh, so I, I don't know how much to read into that, really. No, I mean, it's... Evidence-based uh, approach to sex ed. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, my... It's more, bad press, sorry, just, it's more bad press for teaching. And as Ben said, look at the timing of the article. Yeah. And I think therein lies a, lies a huge problem. But I've always been of the mind, I mean, I, I teach year five at the moment, and the questions have very much started. And, you know, I think very carefully before I answer children's questions and there's certain things that have come up recently um, where I've thought, OK, I need to be very careful what I answer. I'm going to answer because I'd rather almost and as most teachers would, that children got the correct information because you know full well that a lot of them are going to go and uh, do their own research or have got older siblings or things like that. And when I speak to parents, I talk to them about, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, incorrect information or misinformation being spread, which, as we know, with children, it happens very, very easily. So I do think we we take responsibility and I do think we we address it in the in the best manner that we can. But also there is a degree of, you know, parents help us out here as, as well. I feel that, you know, you there is so much material and so many resources out there that we can share with you and that we use ourselves. It doesn't need to be blown out of proportion like this article has done, really. Uh, John, I don't know if you want to add anything to this. Absolutely. You said it a minute ago. It's a, it's a moral panic. And it's the kind of moral panic that will pop up. It's a perennial story. Something's going on in schools which we, which parents don't like. And it's because partly because, as you say, there's whether well, as we suggested earlier, there's a lack of trust in teachers. It is a difficult subject. It does require professionalism. It does require good resources. All those things are absolutely true. And there's a feeling that um, uh, that that you don't you don't trust teachers because well, I remember the 1988 Education Act and and it coming out and saying that you mustn't teach homosexuality in schools. 
teach homosexuality in schools? What was that, what was that even, was there even the suggestion that anything like that was going on? And this idea now is, is, is still caught up in that same idea that schools should be both conservative, <clears throat> maintain the values of the past, and forward-looking, critical and analytical and, and disruptive and so on. And, they, and they're schizophrenic sorts of places and they're caught between the two. I do actually remember my father <clears throat> saying to me, Jonathan, I was about 13, and he said, um, have, you, um, have you done biology at school? <laughs> I said, yes, yes, I've done biology. So you know all about that sort of thing? And I said, yes, Dad. And he's good, and it never was mentioned again. <laughs> wow. um, I think this is this, this, is this age-old thing, though, isn't it? We're kind of, we're damned if we do, and we're damned if we don't. It's... It's it, and, and it constantly comes up again and again and again. And I, you know, I don't I don't dread it every year because I only have to go as far as the as the as the puberty chat. But I just I still have had trouble in the past where um, I accidentally sent a book home from the library with a with a pupil that had most of the sections in it were fine. Some of them were probably for slightly older children. And I had to spend uh, my entire Christmas calming a parent down because she was so offended by this book going home. Uh, and that I'd somehow allowed this to happen. And it then resulted in sort of a purging of, of these books from, from the library. But my argument was that, you know, I'd rather she was getting it from a, from a book designed for that, that purpose. Okay, some of it might have been a little bit too advanced than some, somewhere else, somewhere else more, more inappropriate. So it's just, it's a constant battle and a, a distraction tactic that I think is not for now. I mean, it's, it's always an ongoing conversation, as is everything in education. So I think we've concluded on that one that, um, you know, let's not distract from actually what's, what's important here at the moment. So, yeah, fair enough. Okay. In a moment, on to the, the next story, which uh, is going to be about our current Education Secretary, Gillian Keegan, and her latest thoughts and revelations. So we will go on to that in a moment. So this week, uh, Gillian Keegan revealed what she feels is her final pay offer. Sorry, I'm just trying to trying to read it here. So union members are now voting on the offer, which uh, leaders have described as inadequate. So just to give you a quick rundown of what has been offered, um, a one-off payment in 2022 and 23, a 4.3% pay rise for most teachers, uh, and a 7.1% rise in starting salaries. So that's just a few points there. And then the DfE have also said um, removal of statutory requirement to use performance-related pay, um, greater clarity on inspections, um, workload task force, and an alignment of the school teachers' review body process with the school budget cycle, and a review of complaints procedures for Ofsted and... Um, a review of complaints procedures, sorry, for parents and for Ofsted's complaints processes for schools, and these have already been pledged. So, thoughts on these, on this offer? Let's go to you, Leanne, first of all. Uh, well, they're funding 0.5% of the pay rise. We're rationing whiteboard pens. I'm not quite sure where the rest of the money's going to come from. I mean, the box of pens is hidden under a desk in the office. So, if they can't afford pens and pencils... I don't understand where the money's going to come from. I really don't. It's a lovely offer. Thank you very much. But it's not realistic. 
to expect school budgets to be finding money, like what down the back of a couch in the staff room. I don't know. I don't know where the money's going to come from within schools. Yeah, it's uh, so. It's a bit insulting to the intelligence, really, when uh, when you when you reveal stories like that, when it's when we're struggling for day to day supplies, the idea that we're going to get a, a nice what well, any sort of pay rise is is almost laughable. Also, then, like friends, friends out, sorry, friends outside of teaching have been like, wait a minute, non-experienced teachers are getting a smaller pay rise. Like, why? I think people are not quite sure why that. Like, there must be a reason what to entice people in, but yeah. <laughs> Well, we already know there's a major there's a major recruitment issue, so I don't I don't know if that's that's going to be be the answer, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. Sorry, go on. Ben, <laughs> can see you can see you a wry smile there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when they you know when these education secretaries pass the torch on to each other, which is you know growing with increasing rate as, as the months pass, it's like make sure you value teachers a little bit less than how I valued them because it's. <laughs> The whole thing just appears to be, you know, consistently derogatory. Um, you know, forget the money, which which Leanne's talked about. It, it it's ridiculous. The kind of okay, you've raised these concerns with us in terms of the workload, the well-being. Oh, we'll just cut five hours. Okay, great. <laughs> so what? Where are the five hours coming from? Like which which bits are you going to cut? You know, and the, and they're kind of well, we'll make sure you get a break time and a lunchtime and all this sort of stuff. It's just. It's like this is our final offer. That you know, the language around what she said—that's the final offer. Okay, so there's no other discussion about anything else that you've said. Park the money, park the pay rise, or whatever. Actually, look at what's being asked of you in terms of being able to uh, treat the profession with respect and keep people in the job that, that are needed. Regardless of how people feel about teachers, we need to, um, you know, to, to go. That's it. That's all I'm going to talk to you about, and you have it, and you crack on, and don't come back to me again. It's just. It's appalling, and I think if if I was a head of a school, that's how I always relate it in my head. You know, you'd have a you shouldn't have staff left because if that's the way that she's prepared to go on Sky and and talk to Safety Ridge, and obviously Sam did a really nice mini monologue in the week about about her her kind of interview with Safety. It just whose side is she on? Like it's always they this they that. We you know head of an organisation that is huge and you should be kind of bringing teachers and leaders teachers into that conversation not excluding them from it and i just i i, I don't know where it's going to go to be honest with you I, i'll be doing this 15 years and i love what i do but i've never seen it as bad as in terms of the attitude towards those you know the people that they be able to, to, to run these things it, it's just appalling it really is and and i am um, i uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say with it. It's just. But the the idea, I mean, alluding to the language again, yeah, you know, that's my final offer. It's basically. I feel like we're being spoken to almost as kind of children that have turned the nose our nose up at our tea or at our dinner, and it's kind of you know, no, don't like that. It's no, that's that's not, and it's it, it's patronising. Uh, John, I don't know how you feel about this. Well, uh, who could who could dare to accuse Rishi Sunak of being patronising or talking down to people? Or, or this guy? <laughs> that's their that's their tone. That's that's how they talk. And teachers particularly are talked to as as you say, like children. I like. I mean, I like the breadth of the offer. It acknowledges a number of things. And if you didn't look at too too much in too much detail, you'd think, well, that's actually yeah, sounds sounds like they've 
acknowledged that there's, <clears throat> there's a problem here. But it, the, fa the fact that it mostly, it will impoverish schools and then the language of the final offer. It's both, um, it's both uh, talking down to teachers, as we said, and also at the same time, it, it, it really look under the surface and this is not the offer that will solve this <laughs> serious fundamental problem of teacher recruitment and teacher retain and retaining teachers. It won't solve that. Lucy, the best bit is the last line of the article where she says she's done her best. Yes, I just I'm just sort of having a, a, a look. I'm just looking at some of these figures again, just to, um, you know, the uh, where where was it? I'm just trying to find it. Um, additional funding would total 620 million next year and 150 million the following year to cover ongoing costs. Um, but the remaining four percent of next year's payoff will have to come from existing budgets. Yes. <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. there, there <laughs> you're kind of scrabbling around to even give your children whiteboard pens how on earth it's, it's very confusing very confusing indeed and so the fact that we're being painted as the ungrateful ones who yeah who have turned our, our noses up at fish fingers and chips it's kind of okay well you know uh, you're still clearly clearly not listening so uh, let's let's keep an eye on on that one. But of course, on the back of that, the unions have said uh, so all four of the major unions have said, um, you know, we need to reject the offer um, in the strongest possible way and that there is threat of, of further strike action. So let's see this time if we manage to get because uh, the only the only union that managed to pull it off last time was the NEU. So let's see if we end up with further union strikes down the line. Anyway, so. Before we move on to our reviewing our favourite shows of the week, I just want to remind you of our sponsor again, John Cat, who are a leading publisher of educational books and magazines. And if you are looking for some reading material over the Easter holidays, do check out their website. There are many, many titles across the educational spectrum for you to get stuck into. So we're going to come back to you all in a moment. Have your favourite shows ready to review for me. Okay, so it's been a great week for Teachers Talk Radio shows this week, and I know we've all been chatting amongst ourselves about what has caught our... I was about to say what's caught our eyes, but what's caught our ears, I suppose, is, is more appropriate. So, John, I'm going to start with you. In 30 seconds or less, maybe even... Let's give you 45. Can you give me your favourite Teachers Talk Radio show from this week, please? Yes, I, I liked uh, the Chris Vols uh, Late Show, when he interviewed someone from the United States, it was uh, Dr. Kathy Knoll. And the subject, immediately I thought, I like, I'm gonna enjoy this, because it's trying to extract the anxiety from teaching maths. And he, in fact, the expression teaching maths makes me feel slightly anxious, <laughs> just because it was, uh, I, I, I associate being in maths lessons when I was at school with a deep and profound sense of bewilderment and anxiety. So it was great to hear. That they were trying to make maths fun and enjoyable and so on and it's only late it's only once in my life when i met a real a maths teacher who could do that and i thought actually you can actually make it enjoyable it's fun and that's so that so to all maths teachers don't, <laughs> you know, make, make it fun because it can be well most that's, definitely that, a brilliant summary there uh ben over to you 
Yeah, I liked um, fairly recent one, actually. I like Mark Nichols' kind of AI slash, um, you know, review of, of Bet. It, it was quite interesting because he talked about the history of, of Bet. Um, and I've, I've come to it in, in kind of later years for, for different reasons, really. And I was there on Friday. And actually, despite what's going on in education as, a, as an overriding, you know, picture in this country, as you said earlier, there was a lot of positivity. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. And there's a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of, developments that are moving forward and and the way that he kind of presented that as a as a single host show i thought was was really engaging um just the enthusiasm kind of comes across in all of his shows, but yeah it was it was a really nice nice little bit of history about how bets evolved into you know a massive event really absolutely huge it was really, really the biggest i've seen it this year so yeah really really good you want to hear a little bit about some of the developments that were there about how ai and education which is a is a huge topic um, you know, go and go and check out Mark. I think he did on Friday evening. Having spent the day at Bet, all, all fresh in his mind. So yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Leanne, over to you. Uh, mine was, I think it's Ed and Toby uh, talking about private schooling versus state-funded schooling. Um, kind of made the point early on of how in private there's an expectation, possibly is different from parents as. I'm paying you to teach my child and I expect this and I expect that and high grades and good universities. And then in terms of the state sector of like life has changed and has the state sector changed with life as it has changed. I think maybe a while back schools were very like community-based places um, and maybe with the internet and Wi-Fi and everything that has come with new technology, have schools changed to meet, you know, the changes in lifestyle in the state sector, so. Yeah, fantastic. And, and finally, my favourite show of the week was yours, John, talking about gender and gender stereotyping in schools <laughs> and uh, things. To, I mean, I couldn't I don't think I could even sum it up in, in, in 30 seconds, but just all kinds of you know, addressing all the pitfalls and all the things that, that we as teachers need to be aware of. And also that we are uh, understanding of the, of the children that we're teaching and that we're helping inform them in a way that is uh, both educational but not scary for them and understanding that the world is changing and things like that so I thought it was a, a fantastic effort and I actually just need to listen to the last bit of it I didn't quite finish but uh from what I've heard so far really, really good stuff the last bit is the best bit to the end yeah but fantastic and important and an important show to to listen back to uh, particularly given what also what we've discussed discussed today as, as well. So that about rounds uh, up our weekly review for today. Thank you to all of you for, for joining me this morning. Um, I'm going to go and enjoy lots more coffee, but have a lovely rest of the weekend. We are not here next week, but we will pick this up the week after. And hopefully, well, I'm sure we will have plenty to discuss in two weeks time. So see you all then.